welcome back, everybody. I have a super special guest here with us today. I'm going to let her introduce herself. And yeah, I hope everyone's day is going well. Hi, my name is Maura. Um, I am a senior in college. I'm a business student. Um, and I run the account on TikTok called Recovery Riley, where I talk about my eating disorder recovery from anorexia. Well, welcome to the podcast. So honored and so glad that you're here. Um, so I actually found your account. I saw a video that I bet I bet at least someone watching this has seen it because it got quite a lot of views about like a campaign to start working with Ben and Jerry's for recovery ice cream. And I love that. Do you want to talk more about that? Yeah, that I posted that video. Like sometimes videos are hits or miss. And that one was just an immediate hit. And I was incredibly shocked by it. Um, when I was in treatment for my eating disorder, I really couldn't gain weight and maintain weight um, due to the metabolic boost. Um, and so <laughs> my dietitians told me, you know, you're not going to be able to go back down to college on time um, if, you, if you're like body and you don't really like step it up. And so in the split second, I went, I'm going to quit recovery. I don't care. I don't care anymore. And in that same exact split second, I just turned to my dad and I was like, go get me Ben and Jerry's. Like, I'm going to do it. And so I thought that was only going to last for a couple of weeks, maybe. Um, and it turned into a couple of months. And so every day um, I would eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's. And my dad always thought it was a really cool story because I kind of started the pint party in my eating disorder group. Um, and they all brought their pints. And so my dad thought it was really cool. Um, and then he wanted me to reach out to Ben and Jerry's and I never did. I never did. And I was answering a question uh, to someone on TikTok and I just briefly mentioned that I had to do that with Ben and Jerry's and a couple people tagged Ben and Jerry's and Ben and Jerry's liked it. And I screamed when I saw that. <laughs> and so I was like, this is my That's chance. Good. I was like, this is my chance to open. Like, I have the doors open. I'm like, we're going to go for it. And I was texting my friends. I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And I was like, I could do, like, I've seen people do day one, day two, or like, until this person responds or whatever. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. And went out and I got a few pints. And then that, that has started it. And it somehow gained a lot of traction, which was wild and very very new new for me so yeah yeah I saw that video and I've been so invested in it that's how I like came across your account but then I've been so invested every day I love watching the like day 10 of like trying to get Brandon and Jerry's and I'm so invested and I'm so irritated that they've liked the video. <laughs> they them them and they don't yeah reach out yeah but I think our recovery community could really use more pint parties and oh my goodness yeah Yes, I, I love ice cream. It's amazing. I eat it normally every day, and now I really am eating it every, yeah. every day. Um, so, yeah, it's and I try to do different themes to keep people entertained. Um, <laughs> fun. To keep I remember kind of like how you were talking about with your meal plan. You couldn't, like, I think something people don't realize in recovery is I get so many questions because I, I run a recovery Instagram, and I'll get questions like, oh, like, I can't, I'm, like, I'm so scared, like, if I'm, I'm that I'm going to gain weight, like, my metabolism is so slow. Really, within a matter of, like, three days, <laughs> you learn that it it's skyrockets. It's hard. Like, you have to actually have to work for it. It's not something that accidentally happens. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. I remember in treatment, I was, like, 
we all joked about how big my meal plan was. I'm like a pretty tall girl and just, just for whatever reason. <laughs> and I remember like having like where someone else would have exchanges would have like, you know, like two starches and like a fat. And a pro- I would be like busting out like five starches. Like I would have like three fats in a meal. Yes, like, yeah. Four proteins. I was four throwing beer. back Encher pluses as if it was like candy. I was drinking that oh out. God. Oh my God. The meal plan is so big. And like, it's uncomfortable for your stomach because it's not used uh-huh. to it. Um, but, and I, and I was on bed rest. Like they were mad if I, the, my treatment team was like mad if I walked up the stairs, like it was a heavy duty bed rest and I wasn't moving. And then I kind of kept dropping weight somehow. And I was so frustrated by it. So frustrating. Um, which is odd. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't want to gain weight, but then you're really frustrated by it. Cause you're like, well, I'm trying to, like, I'm eating so much. And, but, and then it slows down and you gain a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I remember like in the, I was, for me, I had to go, we had a little bit of a lapse, but most recently in May, I went to, like when I decided to start real recovery, I went to the hospital and then I went in uh, like inpatient and then I went to residential. And I remember when I was in the hospital, all the other kids, like some of them would say really mean things to me because I would ask for extra food and my favorite, like I would have the three meals, three snacks, like I was on a meal plan, but my extreme hunger was so terrible that I would ask every night for like, they had these little cartons of ice cream and they only had chocolate and vanilla. And I'm like the little hood ones. Yeah. Yes. Like the little soft serve. And I would always get those with whole milk and Cheerios. I don't know why that was like, they only had certain foods that you could choose if you wanted extra. So every night I was having ice cream. So I really related to your story about like the, having the pint, even though it wasn't Ben and Jerry's and it wasn't a pint, it was still kind of like, a little, you know, it was like a little fun. And yeah, that's something I found that a lot of people, I didn't know pint parties were like a thing um, until I started doing this. Um, but it was like so interesting when people are tagging their friends and they're like, she had to eat a pint too. Like, she's just like you. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I didn't know so many people did this, but which I think is just more of a reason for Ben and Jerry's to, right? to do this. You know, so many people have, like have to eat pints a day. I mean, we're keeping them in business there. They've got a good chunk exactly. of change. At least for me exactly. in the past few days. I mean, we're going on, I think, day 12 today or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely remember, like, five Marys are so fun. But <laughs> I, what was, I was going to say that I was just really inspired by your journey, like how you seemed so determined. Like, even in the face of adversity, I know a lot of people, when they're recovering from eating disorders – you know, they would take it as like a sign in quotes or like from the universe if they weren't gaining weight that like, I remember I used to think that meant that I shouldn't gain weight, that I was already weight restored, but that's really yeah, not. I, I argued that a lot. Um, and they were like, yeah. <laughs> oh, especially I remember getting my period on my second day of treatment and I was like convinced. I was like, I am weight restored guys. I need to leave this place. I'm good. But, Eating sort of gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No more thoughts ever. But I was just so inspired by it, how you like your determination. And I wanted to know kind of a bit about like, what were your driving factors in recovery? Like, obviously, if you decided to get the Ben and Jerry's and not do what your first reaction was, which was to quit recovery, what kept you going? Because I'm assuming there was hard days. It wasn't always easy. And it probably still isn't always easy. And what keeps you going? 
Yeah, there, it was definitely not easy. There was definitely, yeah. I, and I talk about how that motivation uh, wavers, where it's like, I got this, I'm doing so good, and I don't have any guilt. And then the next, I mean, I remember crying on the phone to someone about um, not wanting to eat apple pie as my first day of IOP, and I was just crying. I was like, I don't want to eat ever again. Um, but it, it wavers. And my motivation to recover was, one, I didn't want to die. <laughs> Um, yeah, I had the very strange, I don't know if this is a common theme with people, but I didn't know what I was doing to my body until I went to go get vitals. I didn't know. I was, had this very, in a way, blissful ignorance of, I didn't know eating disorder. I didn't know anorexia can very much result in death if it's not treated. And I did not know that. I thought I was just losing weight. I was getting compliments. Um, I just thought I was doing a good thing. Um, and I went to go get my vitals checked and they told me, you are doing damage to your heart. Like you need to stop. And my best friend at the time, still my best friend, but at the time um, he had just, just had heart surgery. Um, and I felt so selfish in a way because I have a healthy heart um, and I was hurting it and he would never ever ever call me selfish and he was one of the first people him and his girlfriend who's also my best friend um, to ask me how my vital went and I felt so ashamed about it Um, and that moment was the defining factor and transition into me getting help because I didn't want to die (laughs) Um, and I, too, I realized how serious it was and I knew that my future of one day being a mom, which is really my big striving goal, um, in life would not happen. College was not going to happen. Um, I needed to get my butt in gear and start ripping these eating disorder roots out because I wasn't going to live a happy life. I wasn't going to live much of a life at all if I continued going. And so, it was a very big shock factor to me. So that's kind of what still motivates me is now my therapist has said that um, if you relapse, it's not going to be the same as the first time. You're not going to have that blissful ignorance. You're going to know what you're doing and it's going to be in a way even more painful um, because I I know how it ends and I, I know what it's like. And so I know what recovery is like. I know how hard it is the first few months of program. And so that, is kind of what keeps me going. And um, like my, my last day of the Ben and Jerry's I just did was me showing the um, children's books that I've been, I've been collecting. Yeah. So to one day show my kids. Um, and so that's kind of always been my motivation that you have this life and you can achieve it, but you have to start living your life now and ripping out those eating disorder roots in order to have that happy future that you want and you can obtain. I love that. I know that's so awesome. I have a friend who would definitely really relate to that. They're also in eating disorder recovery, but I love that, like the diversity of like that life drove your eating disorder, like not just to survive, but like, and like not to like live a full life, but also just to survive. Like, I like how you pointed out, you really truly having an eating disorder ends in one of two paths, like death or recovery. And there's not really an in-between. And I also love, like, hearing this. My eating disorder was actually very, like, opposite. It was kind of started as, like, a suicidal thing. So it wasn't really as 
I was very aware, I guess. Um, The second time, the first time I kind of, it was just different, but I, one thing like how you talked about, like that there was that moment that you're kind of just like this, this is why I'm recovering. I remember I, I was kind of forced into treatment at first, but I decided to go and there was always like background reasons that were kind of important, but it was one day we were all sitting and it was my first day and we were eating Chipotle and I was just like, everyone else was like, oh yes, like they gave us an easy dinner. And I was like sobbing. Yeah. like, <laughs> And I remember like, I was like eating my little bowl and I was just like so happy. And that night I danced for the first time, like by myself in like two years. And it was, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm happy. Like what? What? It clicked that like, huh, maybe you are suicidal because you have an eating disorder. (laughs) And that moment, like that dancing is kind of for me, like what clicked. And then another thing I wanted to address was that you had said, sometimes, you know, motivation wavers. You don't always have high motivation, low, sometimes you have low motivation, but obviously you still have to fight the days that you have low motivation. What, do you have any tips for listeners on what you do when your motivation's low, when your eating disorder wants to beat you that day? Yeah, I think I have, well, I actually kept a journal. I have two things. I One, I kept a journal um, when I started treatment. I wrote every day, every night. Um, my feelings, my fears, whether today was a good day or it was a really horrible day um, because, and I still have it, um, so that whenever, because I was trying to, trying to set myself up for, for success and I love writing, um, so that if I ever wanted to go back, I would read it and I would realize how hard and how miserable one I was in my eating disorder, but also how truly hard and difficult it is um, to start recovering. Um, and then, shoot, I forgot my second one. Uh, my second one was, oh, um, I do have endometriosis and I will live unfortunately, um, majority of my life, um, in pain. Um, and it can be very bad ranging from like labor contractions and I get super sad about it. Um, and I will have nights where I just cry about it. I mourn, um, the life that, you know, I won't get of living a pain-free life and having most people around me, not knowing um, what I go through and the pain I feel and how I can have a conversation with them. And I am in agonizing pain, but I won't show it. Um, And so I kind of have realized that letting myself just be sad about it and just let myself feel those emotions and not try to rush through it helps me because I tell myself when I'm in those sad moments with my endo that tomorrow is going to be better. You can start over tonight you can feel your feelings and so I kind of just let myself feel those feelings and write them out um when it was super hard I let myself cry I let myself be angry um and be frustrated so frustrating and I just let myself feel it and I go all right when it's your next snack or it's your next meal you start over and so that's kind of how I I kind of I took my my leg up with the endometriosis and applied it to um, the first few first few several months of recovery. Yeah. 
No, I really like that. I don't, one thing I think a lot of reasons people don't end up fully recovering is because kind of, as you mentioned, the first, I would say three, but it can really vary from one to five, maybe one to a year, depending on, you know, just depending on each person. It, those first couple months of recovery are painful. And I think once you get past them, for a lot of people that, like how you had said, becomes your motivation. Like, I don't ever want to do those first three months again. Oh, it's agonizing. It's agonizing physically um, and it's agonizing mentally. And it, and it not only disrupts you, but it also disrupts everyone Everyone. around you um and my my treatment was I went to treatment July um 7th of 2020 and so everything was virtual so it really disrupted my family life um because they all had to be here to cook for me to make my meals to plate my food and you know all that stuff so I I truly owe um, so much to them on that. You know, my dad had to weigh me every morning. Um, and so my experience with recovery was, was very different than, than most people. It's very unique with it being online. Um, yeah. but, oh my God. That, yeah. That really, I, that's so interesting. And I have a couple questions, but before I, about it being online, but before I get to those, I just wanted to say, I totally get some of it. Like the first three months, the physical pain and the mental pain and the bad body image and the you're losing your Loaded. biggest coping strategy. And I remember I couldn't hardly know my question. How did it affect your relationships? Like having, I can only imagine, like I was fortunate enough to be at residential. So my parents have never known my weight ever <laughs> and they never will. Like that's just something except for a short, short period in recovery, actually. How did that affect your relationship? I know sometimes, you know, when your parents are cooking for you and you have an eating disorder, it can be very like your eating disorder sometimes speaking for you, especially in the beginning of recovery. You know, you want to watch and you want to be like, stop the oil, stop the this. That's <laughs> stop the cheese. <laughs> stop putting that on there. And too much, too much. Yes, how yeah. did that affect your relationships? Um. Yeah. Oh my God. My eating disorder loved the kitchen. <laughs> so I love to watch. And there was at certain points where I just, I had to be like, I have to remove myself. Like I can't be in the kitchen. Like, oh my goodness, it's way too much. It's torture watching you put, um, I remember just like hovering over my dad when he would put cheese on pizza, um, which now I love pizza and more cheese on the pizza, the better. Um, yes. But it definitely, one thing that really, affected with my family was at first I had control over cooking and over plating my own food and choosing what I wanted to eat. And very quickly, I think like a week that got very much stripped from me. Um, and that was when the true raw roots of that eating disorder came out. And I'm not an angry person typically. Um, I've had bad stuff happen to me. I've never yelled once at them. Um, and I remember I was going, we had a break and I was going to go get my lunch and I saw my mom putting stuff on my plate and I was, and I mean, you have the meal plan. So I knew exactly, you know, a fat at that time, it was just one fat very much quickly went to like three. Um, but you know, I knew all the components of what was going to be on my plate, um, and I, she was putting more stuff on it. 
And I had this rage that has only happened in that moment, um, thankfully, um, where it felt like an out-of-body experience, truly, um, where I was just yelling, no, that's too much. Like, that's not supposed to be on my plate. Like, why are you doing this? Like, no, 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 stop, please. Like, yelling. And I, I mean, it lasted for like 15 seconds, but to me, and probably to my mom, like my mom loves me. My mom's on my team. My mom has always been team Mora since, you know, even when I was just a twinkle in her eye. And I immediately kind of like snapped out of it and realized that I was just yelling at my mom, who's like trying to be my superhero right now and feed me and make me better. And I started crying. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, like sobbing, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she was like, I know it's not you, like it's it's your eating disorder. Like it's, that's, it's speaking. And um, I went, logged back on. And of course, you know, I'm puffy eyed and red and no one was asking me like, are you okay? Like what just happened? Like, do you want to talk about it? And I just went, I'm so angry and I don't know why. I don't like being angry. Like, this isn't me. I don't like it. I don't feel like I'm in control. Control being a very, very yeah. key word. Um, and one of the men in my group um, said something that I still tell to people these days um, when they talk about anger and recovery is he said, you know more, you like World War II. And I was like, yeah, I do. Like, it's something that really interests me. I've always been a big history person. Um and he goes, you know, it's kind of like the allied fighting the access. Like, there's some battles you're going to win, and there's some battles that you're not going to win. And, you know, the the axis or, you know, the allied, like, they're not going to go down without a fight. Your eating disorder is not going to go down without a fight. And so you have to keep fighting. And the soldiers on your team, like your parents, your friends, like us, like, they're going to be there with ammunition, with the food, like, trying to win and take over another city and like all that stuff to, to defeat and to help you become you again, like literally like liberate yourself from this eating disorder and bring back like who you are. And that has always been something that stuck with me because it also made me feel less alone because he talked about how the anger also happened to him the first few times that he had that power stripped from him. And I, I think that's a part of recovery that like really isn't talked about that much is that, that anger that can not only hurt you, but also hurt the people around you. Oh, absolutely. I'm so sorry. That was a lot. (laughs) No, it's okay. I, the first, so I, I'm not going to like say numbers or anything, but there's been multiple occasions where I've been in the hospital and I, the first time was like, it was more like FBT style. So when I left, I ate everything in the hospital. Like I did not like it. I wanted to get out. So they were like, Oh, she eats like she doesn't need treatment like so they just she's so good yeah so so they gave my parents a number and they were like you're gonna play all of your daughter's food and you're gonna track every single thing that goes on her mouth she gets no more no less than this exact number and it was like the number that I ended on and I remember there was no exchanges like it was just whatever my I couldn't pick like if I wanted an ice cream cone or if my parents wanted me to have ice cream I couldn't pick the flavor of the ice cream like it it was, yeah, pretty strict. And I remember we're sitting in the hospital. My mom, I don't know. She was just really mad at my eating disorder. And there's a bathroom <laughs> like, behind me. As they can be. She goes, when you get home, you're eating Pringles. And I had a book in my hand and I just yelled like, F you. I used the actual word. And I just like threw the book at her. 
And then I immediately started bawling my eyes out because I was yeah. like, oh my God, I just threw a book at my mom. Like, what is wrong with me? She wanted to give me my favorite chips. Like, <laughs> and I remember even though coming home, it was like really hard. And there was, there were struggles with that. Like that method works for a lot of people. It didn't end up working out for me. My parents and I just, our relationship was already a little rocky. And I remember one night I was suicidal. So sometimes, mo- okay, most times, even though I was like 15, I had to sleep with my mom because I wasn't allowed to sleep with myself. And I was crying and she was like, you're only eating X, Y, Z and told me the amount that I was eating. And I had underestimated <laughs> And I just remember it was like right before I went to bed and I was like, oh my God, like it's more than I thought I was eating. Like, and that was, then I went to treatment, but, um, it just, that was when I was like, this doesn't work for me. And I ended up, I really liked the exchange system and that I know like when I was in a time of need, that really helped me, but it's just like anger that, I mean, even like, I remember I'd get angry at my therapist in residential, she would she like told me I couldn't have black coffee anymore, which is like a pretty normal yeah, thing. That was that was a big <laughs> part of yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like in session. I was like crossed my arms and I was kind of just like, I loved my therapist and we would joke. Like it was my idea. It was literally, I was the one who was like, new rule. Cammy can't have black coffee. And she was like, actually, that's a good idea. We're going to make that a rule. And then I got so furious. I was just like sitting there in silence for like five minutes. And the point of these stories that me and Maura are telling are basically just that first couple months of recovery easier, but I, I don't know if you have like a story I'm going to tell one. And then maybe you could tell one of like an example of like, you, you get better. Like it gets better. You're not always going to be that angry. Like I remember a couple days ago, my, or like a couple days ago, I ordered McDonald's and I got, you know, that TikTok trend where you get like the ice black coffee and the snow co- or the ice cream cone and you put the ice cream in the coffee. No, that's a thing. Oh, I, well, I wanted to try it. I saw someone do it. it might not be <laughs> yeah, adding that to my list. <laughs> like, and I got surprised. out of the car. It was this whole funny story. Me and my friend are like hysterically laughing. They're driving and we go. And not only did I order a small ice black coffee, they got me a large caramel latte and the ice cream cone. And that would have made me furious uh, back then. But me and my friend both were just like, great, okay. And I was actually like, the caramel latte tasted way better. And I wasn't angry at the worker. I was like, they were like, they even made a comment. Like, I think they were doing it to be nice. Like, they were like, oh, like, they're going to really appreciate this. And I wasn't angry. I was like a little scared. But I ate the whole thing and I didn't have any regret. I didn't have any urges. I very had very little guilt and... I had the most amazing day with one of my closest friends. And the point of the story is just like, it does. I'm about seven months into recovery now. And already there's a huge difference from month two and three. And I ate that and I had zero pain. Maybe like a little bit because it was a large coffee. But for the most part, zero pain. And zero mental pain for the most part. And it, it gets better. Yeah, um, I have to try that now. Oh my goodness, it sounds so good. Um, maybe I'll put my Ben and Jerry's in coffee. We'll see. Um, make a little milk or like a coffee flavored Ben and Jerry's. Ooh, maybe they, I don't know if they have that. We'll we'll check. Um, they have like a lot of flavors. They have so many. I know. Um, I am on the 
hunt um, for the best donut, which I credit to um, Katie Riley, um, who is on TikTok. Um, and she started the trying to find the best donut and it always popped up on my, on my for you page. And so I followed her and everything. Um, I mean, when I was first started recovery um, and I was like, Oh, that's so cool. And so I kind of started doing that like once in a while, like I try a donut and um, with different people. And then it, you know, I, I post it all the time on, on my TikTok now is of me trying different donuts. But um when I went back down, I had, I had a horrendous summer. A lot of things happened. Um, and yeah. I went back down to college fall semester. Um, and there is a place in Providence. I'm about 30 minutes from Providence. And um, there's an amazing place, PV Donuts. Feel free to sponsor me. My favorite place ever. Um, and we went there and they have a, and a new uh, menu every month and so we I think it was like the October menu we went to go try and so we sat in this cute little spot like it was like a nice fall day but like the sun was still directly on us and we were trying you know we got all these different donuts I mean like we usually get like six seven donuts or something like when we go like eight or something I mean we're just like oh my goodness that sounds so good I want to try it and you know it's yeah. hunger and so we get them and we all try it we all rate it and then we go through on which one we like from top to the bottom and it was just kind of I was sitting there with my two best friends the sun hitting directly like it was so nice nice and warm but it's still fall and I was like this is it like this is why like you recovered and like you know I don't think I mean me six months ago from that time could have done it um you know I think recovery is a constant evolution and you know, and me from six months now is going to be better than me from now, as long as I continue doing what I do. Um, and that was just where I was like, okay. I was like, yeah. I was like, if you had given me a plate of donuts on day three or even month three of recovery, I would have like sobbed and been like, absolutely not. Like, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have been things good. Take time. Oh, things absolutely take time. And I think, you know, our... I was always frustrated with, you know, I gained the weight that I needed to. Um, and if also, if you don't need to gain weight when you're in recovery, that doesn't like diminish yeah. anything. I just, if anyone's listening to that. Um, and I was just like, okay, so then I'm better. You know, once you think, once your body kind of catches up, you think you're going to be better. And it really is the the mental aspect that is going to, get you far in recovery um and I think once we just think because I mean we often like think oh I'm not sick enough to get into recovery so then once we're not sick enough anymore then we think we're okay and at a certain point yes but then also at a certain point no because you have to you those eating disorder roots are so 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 firmly planted um to give you this false sense of control that you you have to recognize every single one of those roots and you will over time like you don't need to write all of them out at the first second but you'll recognize them and then you have to go okay how am I going to rip it out um but yeah yeah no I really love that and one thing I had kind of had a question on here because I always plan out a little bit like for each guest and it was one question I've been getting asked a lot like I kind of enjoy sometimes challenging fear foods like it's kind of fun 
and like how you had talked about the donuts, like that sounds really fun. Do you ever experience that like in recovery, even in the beginning, like, is there ways that you can make overcoming your fear foods a little bit easier? Like, is it a little bit fun this way? Is it a little bit more relaxing certain ways? Like how have you overcome fear foods? I remember sitting at like a small little, little desk before I got my nice desk. Um, and that's where I would have treatment and I was just writing down, you know, all the foods I wanted to eat again, you know, chicken tenders, mac and cheese, like ice cream, like Ben and Jerry's, Ben and Jerry's was on that list. And um, I wrote them all down and I showed my dad and I was like, so kind of like the foods, I'm going to start again and all that stuff. I was really scared to show them too, because I was like, I know you're going to have the controls, <laughs> the controls soon. Um, and I think fear foods and challenging fear foods changes a lot throughout recovery. I think in the beginning, you know, you have to feel every single emotion. Uh, you have to grow through that discomfort so you can have then fun with fear foods. Um, oh. And, you know, feeling doesn't have to mean drowning in them. There's, there's a difference. Um, but repetition, you know, do it once or twice a week. Um, hold yourself accountable. Have other people hold yourself accountable. Um, and truly relying on your supports, um, especially in the beginning. And, you know, when I started a fear of fun drinks a couple of months ago, um, well, definitely, I still think we're like November. So yeah, <laughs> in like probably. October, I probably started it. Um, and I was talking with my best friend, Emily, and I was like, I'm really nervous about it because I am very far in recovery, but I still find myself like, teeter-tottering on um like a fun drink at starbucks um or like drinking your calories i hate that phrase so that's annoying but um there's just things that stick with you and that's a, yeah like there's and that was and that was and I, as long as you recognize that that is a root and then you go okay and what do i do that is recovery and that you take comfort in because you know that you're going to be getting better and so i was talking to my friend emily about it and I had been doing TikTok at that moment. I was like, okay, I was like, maybe that'd be like a fun thing to do. Like everyone can tell me what drinks that they want to try and I can try it and it can be a community-based thing. And so I truly rely on supports. When I try new things, it helps me a lot when people eat with me or drink with me. Um, it's a nice distraction and it's also just like, okay, I'm not in this alone. And also it's like, oh, they don't have an eating disorder and they're doing this. So, okay, I can do it. Um, and so she, we would go to Starbucks and we'd, we'd do work and we would try a new drink and she would try one and, and we'd film it and all that stuff. And it was a fun way to challenge myself. Um, and even like the donut thing, like I love a competition. I love seeing which one's better than the other. And so using something that is, that was at least to me is like kind of like a symbol of my childhood, like donuts. Um, that innocence part of it. I think donuts are a very innocent thing of life and really attaching myself to that innocence and detaching myself from the evilness of an eating disorder and having it really just be, I think those would be my core memories of when I am far gone from college. I mean, I graduate in May, but, and looking back on this time period is going to go get donuts with my friends and trying them and rating them. I think that is such a lovely way I've been able to bring people together and also 
get that eating disorder farther away from me. I think truly like find something to do fun with your friends, like, or your family, like they'll love it I, and you'll love it. That is one of my favorite tips that I give people is especially when I'm first challenging a fear food. I always do it with a friend, whether it's a friend of an eating disorder of out normally without, cause most of my friends don't have eating disorders, but <laughs> yeah, I love challenging things with friends. Cause I feel like then I remind myself that Food is rooted in like culture and friendships and relationships, which is a big reason for me to recover. So I feel like it helps when I challenge it with friends. But also like kind of you'd said challenge or repeat. I remember when I always have goals with my dietitian. So like right out of res, rehab, whatever you want to call it, my goals would be something like I would have like because I was on a soccer team, it would be like eat pasta on a day I don't have soccer and go to two restaurants this week. Now my goals are like, so much more like if I was going to do that, it would be like, like one thing I'm challenging is doing something every day of the week. So this week it was a sugary breakfast. So donuts, muffins, pancakes, cereal, stuff like, you know, good cereal, stuff like that. And, but say I was doing that with pasta, I'd be like have pasta every single day this week. And there's just a big difference I guess in the goals like at first I would have needed to have friends and family and support around me to have pasta by now it's like I could eat pasta every single day and by myself in my room and just enjoy it and have fun and I think the development of like it probably took me like I've probably challenged pasta more than 50 times before I got to that point and I think it's just important to continue to challenge stuff and also I know for me, I like making challenges. Kind of how you said, I'm a competitive person. I'm so competitive. <laughs> I'm so I'm competitive. In res, I used to always... Sorry if you were with me in res. <laughs> okay, there was a little glitch, but we're going to just move on to the next topic. We're back. And we're just going to answer some common recovery questions, sort of. And I'm going to let our guest just give her opinion on them. So, we, I was... Basically, the question was, how do you sit, like, say you eat the fear food, right? You're able to do that, but then you struggle with sitting with the guilt. Do you have any tips on how to make that a little bit more comfortable or how to make it the most? Like, it's sometimes it's really uncomfortable, but how to make the most out of that experience? Yeah, I think um, I struggled with guilt a lot. Um, that was something I really had to get through not necessarily just get over but get through it because you have to you have to power through in order to get over it um learning about nutrition helped me which can help other people but then it can also become another obsessive thing um so that is a line that if you think is starting to go more negative you need to stop that um but learning about the you know like the benefits of carbs um not necessarily like what is in absolutely everything, but the benefits of carbs, the benefits of protein, the benefits of fats, the, you know, benefits of sugar. Like, I mean, I learned that a sugar is processed the same, whether it's from a fruit or from a candy bar. And that helped me a little bit because it was like, okay, so there's no good or bad, like sugar, and there's no good or bad fat. And there's, you know, superfoods are not a thing. Like, that's not a thing, people. Diet culture, marketing, thing take it from a business major that is not a real thing um (laughs) and I just at first 
would talk to my supports. I'm like, I'm feeling really guilty about eating, you know, this French fries and all that stuff. And I kind of remember saying that um, in program and everyone kind of talking about, you know, food guilt and everything. And uh, we called her Doc um, in my program. And she is the most person ready to rip out those roots like will will make you cry ripping out those roots and in a way it helped um but she said um you know french fries won't kill you but your eating disorder will and that kind of helped with the guilt a little bit because it's like okay me putting fuel into my body is is the best thing for me and you know writing down my motivations helped me through food guilt and going over, okay, well, I just ate a bagel. Okay. I'm kind of feeling guilty about that, but you know, one, it satisfied my mental hunger. It made me happy and the carbs are going to go give me energy and, you know, all that stuff and focusing on the benefits of it, then focusing on the negativity that diet cultures and eating disorder really highlight. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, quote will always stick with me or french fries won't kill you but your eating disorder will because it's just she was a big shock she was it's true it's true blanket statement it's true um and she was always a big like shock of reality um ready to call you out ready to call your eating disorder out like ready to rip absolutely everything um and it was brutal in the moment but (laughs) i do thank her for um ripping ripping out those roots and helping me realize that there are eating disorder roots but um yeah for guilt i think it's realizing at least for me the positivities in the food um talking supports um i mean going back to the sports eating with you that always kind of helped me with food guilt um because i'm like okay well they're not feeling guilty and like spiraling and thought spiraling and obsessing over what they just ate so like it's not going to kill me. I mean, there is no food out there unless you are allergic to it that is more evil and more hurtful to you than your eating disorder. Um, exactly. Just so I, so I think, yeah. I think that that is awesome. I really resonate with a lot of those things. The only thing I'd want to add is for me, I feel like distraction helps a lot when I'm done. Like, yeah. I really can't get into a good headspace. Um, some recommendations I always give people for distraction is this is going to sound, I'm going to sound really boring, but I'm not like a sit on your phone type of person, especially in recovery. I think it's important to get away from electronics sometimes. So I love logic puzzles because it takes, it takes so much brain. <laughs> so you can't think about what you just ate. Like you have to use your entire brain to solve the puzzle or just even journaling or art, or I like to write books or poems or whatever. And also, like, kind of what Maura said, I think it's just a lot of, like, help, you know, realizing that there are benefits to every single food out there. And I think that was a really awesome piece. Oh, of yeah. Food. That's that's one of my, my favorite things. <laughs> when people are like, oh, this is unhealthy. And then I just, like, whip out all my, like, nutrition facts. And they're like, well, it's not as healthy as this. And I'm like, well, you need all the nutrients there. You can't can't just focus on one nutrient um, or yeah. even two. You you know, just like you like Pokemon, you've got to collect all your nutrients. I mean, but also, like, the distractions. Like, oh, my God. Well, I love New Girl. Um, New Girl always helps me. So thank you, New Girl. Um, but I 
crocheted I'm a big arts and crafts grandma out there um and I crocheted an entire like it's a big blanket like it fits my entire bed I crocheted that in like two days because I would just sit there during program and I would just crochet and it was great using my hands and like you have to count your your rows and everything and every and every link so it truly helps if you want to get into crochet I highly recommend it's a great distraction Yes, um, I love that. And like, that's so helpful. I always wish that I could crochet. I think I'm going to start trying it. This may have been the inspiration I needed. Um, but there was only kind of like one other topic that I wanted to touch upon. I don't know if you, not everyone with an eating disorder does, so it's okay if you don't, but a lot of people with eating disorders struggle with body image issues. And I always get questions on how I have grown with. I'm someone who had really bad body image. That was a big brute in my eating disorder. And quite frankly, I think I still definitely do sometimes, but I know I get a lot of questions like, how have you grown through that? And how has, you know, what are your tips on bad body image days? And it's okay. If you don't get bad body image, you can just tell no. me that. Oh, I absolutely do. I think okay. that's also just part of being human. Um, I have never talked about it on my eating disorder recovery recovery Riley there um so this is this is the first first big scoop about it um but I don't like talking about this because it's something I'm still working on um and I also don't know how to talk about it on my channel yet um but I used to be um overweight and I always struggled with that um and then you know I was losing weight and I was losing weight in a healthy manner and, and then it spiraled out of control and that's how I ended up in my eating disorder. Um, and so it's super hard for me to look back on those photos. I mean, I'm very, very drastic. I will not say numbers, but a very, very drastic difference. Um, and I still see myself sometimes as my previous weight. And, you know, it's the fat phobia in diet culture and with myself, inside myself, uh, where I don't think that human is beautiful. Um, and so I still struggle with that body image issue. Um, you know, and I mean, even like TikTok, like TikTok, why did they highlight wide rib cage? When, when did that become a thing? Oh, like, TikTok is like the, why? Like, <laughs> like you, but there are some extremely toxic people on TikTok. I was like, why are we talking about, so I guess I have a wide rib cage. I don't know. And I'm like, so then I was insecure about that and like, and it's one thing that, I mean, there's many things that have helped me. Um, you know, one saying um, is, you know, if we all ate the same, if we all exercise the same, same number of steps, same everything, um, we would all still look different. And so I take comfort in that of, you know, I'm not supposed to look like a, B, and C, because A doesn't look like B, B doesn't look like C, A and C don't look like each other, no one looks like each other, we all we all have different genetics, we all have different makeups, different lifestyles, um, different, I mean, chronic illnesses, chronic pains, I mean, like, thyroid issue, like, everyone has has something that, that affects, and that's okay, um, but um, one thing that really helps me with confidence I <laughs> have never been confident um and over the summer um I just really started 
take any more photos. And I started thrifting more. And oh my gosh, I, I love thrifting. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of a toxic trait of mine. I go way too much. I know. So I'm mean, thrifting, so it's like kind of cheap. But, um, and I just started getting in front of the camera and I never would get in front of the camera. I hated it. I mean, there's so many photos of me like hiding behind like my hand or whatever, or hiding behind the person in front of me. Um, and I started posting more and not on TikTok. I wasn't really like, well, not on my recovery, Riley. And um, I got really comfortable seeing myself. And that then grew the confidence. And with the thrifting, I was, it's also kind of like a competition. Like you're trying to find like something really cool there. So it was like a search and find, you know? Yes. Um, and I started finding, you know, pieces where I was like, oh, this is so cool. I love this. Like, this is awesome. And like, I was excited to wear it. And so then that made me more confident. And so really like honing in and like developing like my style and like also realizing I have very many different styles depending on my mood and everything um helps get my confidence and I mean I hated listening to my voice and now that I do recovery Riley and I hear my voice constantly it doesn't phase me anymore um but and I I still struggle with body confidence you know I think I think it's human I don't think I mean I think every human struggles with how they look at some point or insecurities that's why they're called insecurities um and I don't want people in recovery to feel like it's a setback if they are like oh because that's human I mean you can have those thoughts without having um an eating disorder or disordered eating um and I body checking was a very 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 big thing for me um and I noticed at college this past semester I started to body check more and I didn't realize how it became like like unconsciously I was doing it and so I just was like I hate this mirror it was like a target it's like one of the target mirrors that they have like in every single dorm room which like is just body dysmorphia in a nutshell like they from every angle you look different um and so I just like um I'm not sure if you can still hear me but I can't hear you (laughs) Um, I'm just going to call this the end of the episode, guys. So I would just like to close off by saying thank you all for listening. And uh, thank you, Maura, even though we can't hear her, for being here. I think she's trying to get back. Um... And I just would like to say thank you all for coming and a super big thank you to our guest, Mora. And I really want to appreciate that she came here and all the speaking that she did. And I'm sad that she can't give a little closing statement, but let me know if you guys enjoyed the episode.